continue to teach on what we began to speak on um, about um, at watch night. We began to talk about blessed to impact. Last week we spoke about how to walk in God's blessing. And today we're going to continue that. I'm going to talk about doing the, the work of the master. Doing the work of the master. So let's recap on some of the things we've already shared. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 talks about the fact that God called Abraham. His name used to be Abraham from the land of the Chaldeans. And said to him, I will make you a great nation, verse 2. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in Galatians chapter 3, from verses 7 to 9, the New Living Translation, it says this. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. In other words, the non-Jews to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Um, I, it's in the New Living Translation. So, um, you know, um, if you can, you put it out like that. Thank you so much. All right. So what does it mean to be blessed? We've already said that. What does it mean to be blessed? We said being blessed is not about material um, blessings, although it may include it. But primarily, being blessed from God's perspective is to empower us to prosper beyond what we are able to do naturally, to prosper or to do well with our lives. Secondly, it is the ability to have, or sorry, it's the ability to do and to be what God has called you to be. It's to be able to accomplish your potential, fulfill your potential as an individual. That's what it means to be blessed. And when God empowers you, he gives you tremendous potential. But most people never even tap into their potential. So the blessed individual is the one who is able to fulfill their potential and accomplish all that they were created to accomplish. And then the third thing we said about being blessed is that it is being favored by God in a manner that we did not deserve. And also it is to be in a favorable state or an enviable state that God allows us to enjoy. So that's what it means to be blessed. And we already established from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 that as God's people, we are blessed already. Ephesians 1 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So you're not going to be blessed. You're already blessed as a child of God. And then we also gave reasons why we are blessed. We said we are blessed. The reasons why God blesses us is so that his word is fulfilled in our lives. Secondly, the reason why God has blessed us is so that his kingdom can be established through us. And thirdly, God has blessed us so that we are a blessing to others. And then we talked about how we walk in these blessings. There is a difference, about, there is a difference from being blessed, being empowered to prosper, and then prospering. 
there's a difference between being given something by God and then you being able to live out what's already yours. And many of God's precious people do not live out what is already theirs. And there are many reasons to that, but we won't touch on that. So we said how we walk in the blessing. Number one, we walk in the blessing by being chosen by God or surrendering to the call of God. See, God chooses us, but we must yield to him choosing us. So we surrender to his call or his choice of us. Secondly, we walk in God's blessings by receiving from him or experiencing forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. The need to be forgiven of our sins is the most important need in the human being. We've already said I won't go into that. Third point is that we walk in God's blessings by trusting in him. By trusting in him. The fourth point, we walk in God's blessings by waiting on him. And we walk in God's blessings, fifth point, by believing his word. And we walk in God's blessings by reading and keeping his word. And then finally we said we walk in God's blessings by doing the work of the master. So that's what we've covered so far. So I want to now dwell on this, doing the work of the master, how that is a blessing. How is it a blessing for me to do the work of the master? In Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 and 46, our Lord asks this question. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler of his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Our Lord says, anyone any one of God's servants, and all of us as God's children can choose to be his servants. We're supposed to be his servants. Any one of us as his servants, if when he returns, when he comes to visit us, when he comes to inspect our lives, he finds us doing his will, the Bible says that servant is blessed. So I want to encourage you to be ready to do the master's work. Do the master's work. Say to your neighbor, do the master's work. In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 38, our Lord says it like this. And, and this is the New Living Translation. And I've given it, it's in my notes. You can't hear me. You can't do it like that. Okay, I beg your pardon. Then listen to my lovely voice then. And put it out in the New King James then. But it says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding, wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. You see, the Lord wants us as his people to be always ready to do his bidding. God is looking for men and women that are available to him, that are willing to do what he requires of them when he requires of them. There are many believers who serve God from a place of convenience. Now, when you give your life to Christ, you are saved. So if you die, you go and be with the Lord in heaven. That's wonderful. But God has done more than save us. He has also equipped us for service. And there's a scripture in 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 where Paul says to Timothy, preach the word or proclaim the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
Be ready in season and out of season. It's very easy to do God's will when you feel like it. It's very easy. But the secret of developing strength spiritually and of leaving a lasting legacy is where you learn not only to be ready to serve when you feel like it, but when it's inconvenient. Because that's how you build spiritual muscle. That's how you develop. Many, many, many Christians are very comfortable doing things out of their comfort zone. But the minute demands are made of them, then they have a reason why they pull back. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, I'm talking about being, how we walk in the blessing of God. And I'm saying to you, one of the key ways you walk in God's blessing is by doing the work of the master, whether you feel like it or not. Say to your neighbor, whether you feel like it or not. So what is the master's work? What is it that our Lord Jesus requires of us in 2019? Well, whatever he requires has not changed. Whatever he required from the book of Acts or from the disciples in Matthew 28 is what he will require of us now. And the way we are able to tell what the master's work is, is by examining briefly the master himself, our Lord Jesus. What was it that he was committed to? What were the things that he was committed to? Well, primarily, our Lord's first and foremost commitment was his desire to always do the Father's will. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 7, the scripture says about our Lord Jesus, Then said I, Behold, or look, I have come in the volume of the book or from Genesis to Revelation. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So our Lord Jesus, his paramount passion was to do God's will. And then in John chapter 4, verses 34 to 38, our Lord Jesus kind of enumerates or elaborates on God's will. He said this, my food or the thing that gives me the greatest satisfaction is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Beloved, you will get no deeper satisfaction in life than discovering what God created you for and pursuing it. I've shared this testimony many times. Before I came to know the Lord, there was something that I noted was clearly missing in my life. I didn't know what it was, but in me, there was something in me that was clearly missing. Clearly missing. Even at a young age, I knew there was something missing. And when after I gave my heart to the Lord, I remember one day lying down and looking for that empty thing. Because I used to look for it when I would lie down. And discovering it wasn't there anymore. It was gone. That that sense of something was missing was gone. When you encounter Jesus, you begin to enter real meaning in life. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I wonder what your food is. I wonder what it is in your life that gives you the greatest satisfaction. The master said his food, what gives him the greatest satisfaction was to do the will of him who sent him and to finish his work. Beloved, every one of us has a work. There's an assignment. And 
as believers, when we stand before the Lord, we, we're not judged for our sins because the blood of Jesus has washed us of our sins. But we are judged for our works. And we will be rewarded based on what we did for the Lord on this side of eternity. And then he says in 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. See, our Lord always had the age, of, age to come in mind. He didn't do things with reference to how it is in this life alone. There are people who give their energy, their toil, their sweat to do something great on earth. And that's beautiful. But they haven't prepared for eternity. It is good to do something amazing in this life. But make sure that it will count in the age to come. When you stand before the Lord and then he examines your life, make sure that what you gave your strength to counts on that day. Amen. He says, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Our Lord says, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. In other words, there, is, there are those of us whose work involves sowing. And then there are those of us whose work involves harvesting. But everyone will receive a reward. And it has to do with people. It has to do with people as we shall see. So our Lord expressed this commitment to do the Father's will in five ways. And I'll just mention them briefly because of time. I'll give you the scripture reference. It's not in your notes. And you can look at it for your own good. So one, he demonstrated his commitment to do the Father's will by destroying the works of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the scripture says that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So anything that has the enemy's signature on, Jesus came to destroy. Any kind of affliction, any kind of oppression, the seduction of sin, the system of this world, whatever it is that undermines God's perfect will and blessing over our lives, our Lord Jesus came to destroy that. I think that's good news. And that's what he did. Secondly, our Lord Jesus demonstrated his commitment to the Father's will by preaching and demonstrating the good news of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. He declared or proclaimed what God's kingdom was like, and then he demonstrated what kingdom, God's kingdom was like. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, our Lord said this, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. I have been sent on earth for this purpose. Beloved, not only was it God's will for our Lord Jesus to destroy the works of the devil, but I submit to you, it's God's will for you also to destroy the works of the devil. And not only is it God's will for Jesus to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, but it is also God's will for you to do the same, to preach and demonstrate God's kingdom for what it really is. Third point, why, what was Jesus' passion in fulfilling God's will? He sought and saved those who were lost. In Luke chapter 19 verse 10, 
our Lord Jesus said this, for the Son of Man, in reference to himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Say seek and save. In other words, you, you have to go out for people. You have to reach out. You have to reach out. You can't just remain comfortable where you are. You have to actually reach out. Seek and save that which was lost. And that was his mandate. And beloved, that is also our mandate as his followers. To seek and to save that which was lost. And then the fourth point is this. Our Lord Jesus was committed to bringing the other sheep into his fold. In John chapter 10 verse 16, our Lord says this. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, the fold is the body of Christ. Now, God's heart is not just to save people, but is to make sure that the people that are saved are part of his family, remain part of his family. And uh, his family is expressed in the local church, in local churches like this. His heart is not just for people to be saved, but for them to be part of his family. And so, as it was for him, so also should it be for us who are followers of Christ. That our heart is for those who are lost and are now saved to be part of God's family. And then finally, our Lord demonstrated his commitment to the Father's will by building his church. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, he said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The church of Jesus or the church that Jesus is building is a militant church, spiritually militant. I'm not talking about physical violence. Spiritually, it's a militant church against the forces of darkness. It is a church that is um, assertive over what the devil seeks to do. It's the church that knows its authority, that is advancing forward. And as it advances, the obstacles of Hades, the kingdom of darkness, is overthrown. And as, it, as he is committed to building that church, guess what? You also should be committed to building that church. You know, the church is the most criticized institution as far as I can see. You know, we get criticized, and pastors especially, we are very unpopular. You get one rogue pastor who misbehaves and all pastors are like that. You get one church that goes a bit funny and all churches are like that. Hallelujah. And it's very interesting, Christians, you know, we will say that, you know, churches are, and then we say, but not my church. So my church is different. Most churches are good. I want to say that right now. You didn't say amen. Hey! You just looked at me. But man, I'm telling you the truth. Most pastors are sincere people who are really trying their best. I've been doing this for 27 years. I can tell you it's true. And most of my friends that I know, we're not in it for the money. We're not in it for the fame. We're definitely not in it for the money, I can tell you. <laughs> we're not in it for that. We are in it. Even if you pay us, if you don't pay us, we're in it. Because we want to help God's people. We want to bless God's people. But the church gets a lot of stick, a lot of attack. You can be in a church like this, and then maybe you feel a bit lonely, and then you say this, there is no love in the church. There is, have you said that before? Who's going to be honest? Have you said that? There's no love in, all right, let's just quickly move on. So, 
It's normal. These things are, are normal. But Jesus is committed to building his church. So the master's work involves undoing the effects of sin on our world. And it also involves a commitment to seeing souls saved and souls coming into God's kingdom. In essence, the master's work is obedience to what we call the Great Commission. You see, the Great Commission is the final blessing that our Lord Jesus gave to his church before he ascended. Remember, a blessing is where you are empowered to prosper or you're empowered to do something. The first time God blessed, the word blessing is used, was used in the context of the creatures that had been created. God blessed the creatures and then God blessed humanity and gave them a commission. Be fruitful and multiply. That was the blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. When it comes to mankind, it was be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Exercise rulership. So the blessing was that we exercise rulership. And in exercising rulership, we fulfill our potential. Well, when our Lord was ascending, he gave his final blessing over his church before he ascended. In Luke 24, Verse 51, the Bible says, now it came to pass while he blessed them, that's our Lord Jesus, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So he was talking with them and then as he blessed them, he was taken up into heaven. So the question is, well, what was he saying? What was the blessing? Have a good home. Live long and prosper. You know, in the Star Trek, live long and prosper. Was that the, what was the blessing? The blessing is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. It's part of the Great Commission. Where Jesus is speaking, they had asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And he said to, you, he said to them in verse 7, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has left in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So as he was saying that, that was the blessing. Are you, are you hearing it? So the blessing was, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit, someone said, ah, I, I thought it was a new car. No, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That was the blessing. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That was the blessing. My question to you is, do you want that blessing? Is that a blessing that you want in your current context? You see, that blessing is part of the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is mentioned in five places. Matthew, Mark, Luke, even John, and then here. And the final culmination of it is when he says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, if we are going to do the master's work, then we must embrace the Great Commission. To be obedient, sold-out witnesses of Jesus Christ, is our embrace of his final blessing on our life. So it's the individual that says, you know what? 
I want to be completely sold out to fulfill the Great Commission. That is the individual that has embraced that final blessing and is prepared to walk in it. It's not the one who wants a better job, a better car, uh, and all that. Those, those things, they are like, uh, yeah, they are, even drug dealers can get a better car and a better house and a better marriage. Even, even, you know, you don't need God to get a better car. You don't need God to get a better house. Are you, are, you, are you listening to me? Let's be honest. You don't need God to get a good wife. Or a good husband. But if you want to walk in the final blessing, then you need God. And that will change your life. It will change your life. The man or the woman that embraces the Great Commission as their mission statement for life, their life will be changed. Because God will help them. Now, we as a church, we're committed to being disciples of Christ and, and making Jesus known. But listen, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ without being committed to discipling other people. Because that's what the Great Commission is about. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is what it is. And this bit here, you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses of me. In other words, you will demonstrate, you will be the evidence of me. You will be the evidence of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So in essence, the master's work that we're talking about is being committed to see his kingdom come, the kingdom of God come through us declaring the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and then being committed to disciple those people who come into the kingdom of God. That in essence is the master's work. It does not mean that every one of us have to become pastors. That's not what it means. No. My question to you is this. What are you making your life count for? Our Lord said this. What will it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? Or what can a man and woman give in exchange for their soul? It is great for us to do good works, to be, seek to be a blessing to other people. Yes, but make sure your soul is right before God as you do that. Because after we've done everything for everyone, if our lives are not right before God, it's all vanity. Yes. Our lives must amount to more than just making sure that our needs are met or the needs of our loved ones are met. Too many believers live on this level where they are more, they give so much energy, we give so much energy and time to making sure that our needs are met and the needs of our loved ones are met. And it's a legitimate pursuit, but it should never undermine our pursuit to do the Father's will. The master's work. 
That's why at times after our, the needs of our families are met and our needs are met, we're still empty. We're still frustrated. We're still disappointed. We're still picky and uh, finding fault with this one because we have not made the main thing the main thing. Our lives must be more than having needs met. Our lives must count for a vision bigger than us. Say your life is bigger than your needs. Say to your neighbor, your life is bigger than your needs. Our lives must be kingdom oriented. In other words, our lives must be committed to revealing what God is like and what his leadership over our lives looks like. And how we start this is we make sure that our lives count for the gospel in whatever context we find ourselves in. Obedience to the Great Commission does not mean we all get up and go overseas and become missionaries. It doesn't mean that at all. It starts where we are, in our Jerusalem. He said, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Jerusalem represented their immediate community, the immediate surroundings. That's where the thing happened. He told them to wait in Jerusalem till they were endued with power, clothed with power from on high. And so after they were clothed with power, now he said, you will be witnesses of me there in Jerusalem. So that's one of the reasons why we as a church, we've kind of restructured things a bit where we are focusing also in Croydon. Because we have to have so many people coming from one area like that. It makes no sense just them coming here and us having a nice time. And us here, this is just the beginning. We, we want to penetrate for sure, but as we grow and develop more, we're going to focus on other areas. Can you say amen? Yeah, we are. It's not, it's not about coming and having a good time and feeling nice and oh, what a wonderful worship, what a big crowd. No. It's about making sure that we are witnesses of Jesus in our Jerusalem. So wherever we are and whatever we do and whoever we're rubbing shoulders with, we must see them as part of our mission field. For me as a pastor, my first point of call is that when I preach, if my wife is in the room and my children are in the room, they are convinced. They must be convicted. They must be arrested by the word that I'm preaching more than you. No offense intended. So, yeah, so I, I, I make sure that I try to prepare such a way that if they are sitting there, they are convinced. Regardless and in spite of my own failings and inconsistencies, they are convinced. Yeah. So you must, because they are my first mission field. They are my first mission field. You must identify your mission field. After I got my, gave my life to Christ, I made it my assignment to see my immediate family saved. And for 10 years, prayed for them, prayed for them, prayed for them. My immediate family and cousins and second cousins and 50, 15th cousins, Ghana, everybody's your family. Prayed. And, and today, I'm amazed how many of them have come to faith. Most of them not through my hand. But my media family, for sure, they had to. No, no, no. 
That's your first point of call. Now, not everybody will receive. My friends, my friends, my media friends, when I got saved, they, they said, oh, knock it off, Joe, come on. And so we moved on. Hallelujah. So we must learn to accurately identify our specific mission field and then put our hands to the plow, so to speak, to that field for God's kingdom to become manifest through us. Say to your neighbor, put your hands to the plow. See, doing the master's work means we are willing to put our hands to the plow. It's an expression that our Lord uses. Willing to put our hands to the plow without compromise. The plow is really a tool they use to till the ground to make it ready so that you can then um, um, plant seeds and, um, and, and then grow, grow crops and so forth. And spiritually speaking, um, the Lord uses that as, a, 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 as an analogy of the importance of being committed to doing his work in his kingdom. In Luke chapter 9 verse 62, our Lord says this. To somebody who said, look, Lord, I want, to do, I want to follow you, but first let me go and do ABC. Jesus says this. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, to be fit for the kingdom of God is not talking about being saved. It is a reference about being useful for God's kingdom. Being useful. So in other words, if you say you want to be a real disciple of Christ, but then you're kind of uh, a bit like this and a bit like that. You can never be useful for God's kingdom. You can't. If you want to be useful for God's kingdom, where you will then begin to see God's supernatural power through your life, where you can begin to see character transformation in your life, where through your life and testimony, people begin to get convinced that actually, you know what? I don't believe in your God, but I know there's something about you. You know, I'm blowing my own horn with this one. But when I was working, I'm about to blow my horn again. When I was working, I remember I worked with other Christians and we were working in a secular environment. And one day, one of the non-believers said to me, you know, your Christianity is different from hers. It's different from hers. And they meant by that was yours is more radical. You have to be radical for Christ. I'm not talking about terrorism radicalization these days the words you have to kind of qualify somebody says the man is talking about radicalizing his church no no we're not talking about radical bombing people killing human beings no 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 we want to be radical for the kingdom of god to see people's lives blessed transformed by the real power of god the authentic real thing that we are willing to die for our faith, not because we blew ourselves up. No, 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 no. But because we are willing to sacrifice in love, give all for the cause of Christ. Say to your neighbor, get out of your comfort zone. Come on, say to your neighbor, get out of your comfort zone. So to be fit for the kingdom of God, kingdom service, as I put it, demands uncompromising commitment. That's what it demands. It doesn't mean you neglect your family. I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean you neglect your immediate responsibilities. I'm not saying that. But your commitment to following Christ and to doing his work, you have to be uncompromising. Because that's how you enjoy the blessing. That's how you experience 
the benefits of doing the work of the master. That's how your life is continuously enriched. That's why, that's how you remain sharp year after year, fresh year after year, on fire year after year. And people wonder, how do you do it? What tablets do you take? What is the herbs? The herbs are the word of God. The juice is the spirit of God. Are you listening to me? That is how. Doing the work of the master. We have been doing the work. We've sought to do the work of the master for the last 33, 34 years. After working with Jesus, for the first two years, I hated it. Thought it was a load of, wasn't nice at all. Just fire insurance. I just wanted fire insurance. By that, I mean, I didn't want to go to hell. God that told me I was going to hell, so I didn't want to go. So I gave my life to Christ. But after that, from 84, I said, you know what? I want to be all out. I want to be all out. They talked about prayer. I hated praying. I couldn't pray. There was no grace of prayer. I began to try to pray. And it's been as difficult then. It was as, it's as difficult as it was then. But the difference is that I have more grace. You have to be all out for Christ. All out for Christ. That's how you do the master's work. Well, the master's work. It demands a commitment to our specific mission field. And your specific mission field includes your immediate family and your friendship relationships. It also includes the people you spend the majority of your time with in the marketplace. By the marketplace, I mean a place where you study, where you work, and so forth. And it also includes a commitment to whatever unique assignment you have identified on your life. A commitment to fulfilling that assignment is how you, as a child of God, begin to do the master's work. That in whatever context you find yourself, whether it's with your family, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's with your unique assignment, you are devoted to the master's work and you see that as your mission field. And so in that context, you want to make Jesus and his kingdom known. In that context, you want to lead others to Christ. And you want to share the gospel whenever the opportunity comes. At times, you have to even create the opportunity. Sometimes you're looking for opportunities not coming. So you have to create. Somebody says, so what did you do last week? Ah, God, opportunity. I was talking about Jesus Christ. And I want them to say, what about? Sometimes it, it just stops. They say, okay. But if they, if they said to me, what were you talking? Oh, what was, I, what was I talking about? Let me tell you. In Revelation chapter 20. And let's begin. Share the gospel. They ask the question. Yes. So, it involves that. You make yourself, you make Jesus known and his kingdom known. And then it involves you leading others to him and sharing the gospel as you have opportunity. But also, how you do the master's work is by being planted in his house in order for you to bear much fruit in his kingdom. This is how you walk in God's blessing, and that's what we're going to continue next week. How you walk in God's blessing, how you embrace the Great Commission, is whatever context you find yourself in, 
you are willing to make Jesus known and his kingdom known. Secondly, you're willing to lead others to Christ if you have the opportunity to do so. And the third thing is, you are committed to being planted. Say planted. Planted in his house, which is a local church, in order for you to bear much fruit for his kingdom. My question to you as I close is, are you willing to make yourselves available for this work? As we begin a new season in our church's life, are you, those of you who are members of this church, willing to make yourselves available for God's work? If so, I want to encourage you to offer yourself to the Lord in prayer and to consecrate yourself to these ideals. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if that is you, I want you to stand where you are. I want to pray over you before I hand over to Edmund. If you're saying to the Lord, in 2019, I am committing myself to making you known. I am committing myself. If you give me the opportunity, I'll make you known. In 2019, if you give me the opportunity, I am willing to lead others to you. In 2019, if you give me the opportunity, I'm willing to share the gospel. In 2019, if you give me the opportunity, I'm willing to be planted in your house in order to bear much fruit. If that is you, stand where you are. And as you stand, lift your hands to the Lord. And offer yourself to him in prayer. Right now, just tell him in your own words. As you stand, tell him, Lord, this is my commitment to you. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. I receive your word. Today, I commit myself to doing the master's work. I ask you for grace to make Jesus known and his kingdom known. I ask you for grace to lead others to Christ and to share the gospel when given opportunity. I ask you for grace to be planted in your house and to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Joe. If the um, ushers could please hand out the uh, envelopes, we'd like to take our offering as part of our worship. Thank you for that word. Um, I pray that we will all truly give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord as we encourage in Scripture. In fact, I'm reminded of what it says about David. It says that uh, he served God's purpose to his generation before he fell asleep. I think that should be our cry. We want to serve God's purpose. Before we leave this earth, we've finished our race and we've fought a good fight and we have kept the faith. Amen. If you like an envelope, please raise your hands. The ushers will hand one to you. Um, as always, we like to stand with our brothers and sisters who are looking for work. If you are looking for work, would you please stand as well? Um, if you are in a business that perhaps you need the God's favor and grace over, also please stand. We would like to pray with you. Father, we just want to thank you for our brothers and sisters who are standing. We agree with them, Lord. We thank you for your provision, for your faithfulness, Lord. 
We ask you, God, that this year will be their year, that you will open doors as they look to you, Father. Will you make a way, even where for them it feels like there is no way. Make a way, Father, for financial provision, for them to be able to get work, Father, and those who are in businesses, Father, for their businesses to flourish as they put you first in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this offering, which we're about to receive as well, Father. Amen. Amen. Right, I'd like to invite, I believe, uh, Davinia for our presentation. And while she's coming, just um, a quick encouragement in line with the word we've received today. This is a great evangelistic tool. These leaflets are at the back. If you could please take a bunch. You can hand them out to your uh, work colleagues, to friends, just as a, a means of really sharing the gospel. It, it tells about our uh, various activities in the church, but also the services which we hold. So I say if you struggle to, to speak to them, just hand this to them. That might actually open a door for you to start sharing the gospel with them. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. Oh, gosh. What have I done? Good afternoon, everybody. Excellent. Good to see you all today. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, we formed a choir last September, and we were able to do our first concert in December last year, December 20th. And that concert was to raise funds for a very special charity, one that um, Andrew Bobber introduced us to, hadn't heard of it before. That charity is called Clothes for Causes, and um, it's run by uh, Veronique. Veronique, can I ask you to join me up here? Can all the guys from Clothes for Causes stand up as well, please? Can we give them a hand? Come on, guys. And um, when we heard about what Veronique and her team were doing, we were just so overwhelmed. You know, simple questions like, if you're homeless, how do you wash your clothes? You know, you don't have a washing machine, you're not going to have money for the laundrette, so you probably end up wearing it until it's so dirty you have to throw it away. Things like that really got us thinking, like, wow, Veronique and her team provide new sleeping bags, duvets, underwear, things like the practical socks, things that homeless men really, really need. And we're just so blessed to have um, been able to raise funds for the team. We also want to thank all of you who came along. Those of you, Stephanie um, and Faith. Where's Faith? Is Faith here? Faith. Stand up, Faith. Faith sold fairy cakes on the night and made a good amount of money for us. So can we give Faith a hand as well, please? Thank you. And those of you who donated, those of us, there's about 30 of us in the choir. A few of us are here. We go to different churches. Can you just stand up if you're in the choir, please? Can we give them a hand? Well done, guys. Thank you. Um, and we just want to present, this is not actually the check, as you know. We're going to put that in your account this week. But it's just a card from us at the choir just to say thank you so much for the work you're doing. We were able to raise £1,020, everyone which is excellent so um honestly in terms of what we'd want to give it's a small amount but we know that this is just the beginning god willing of our relationship together do you want to say anything uh, yes um yeah thank you very much to everybody that that helped in any way um last week was the first distribution that we had um of 2019 and over 300 people it's the busiest one we had as yet and um, it was just, you know, we started this year just all so positive as well. Um, 
together with all the volunteers and we had some lovely um, Claudia from, I don't know if Claudia is here, Claudia, Raphael, and just so many, Raphael's a, yeah, Raphael was with us um, before Christmas and stuff, but Claudia came and uh, it was just a really, really um, positive experience and we just said, right, you know, this is really the start of really good things and the amount of people that were there and just left really happy it's not just about homelessness it's it's needy people as well people that are really struggling um at these times and stuff and it's just the this um donation that is is coming to us it just enables us to reach so much more people um before we've only ever been able to buy at wholesale prices in the uk but it's, it actually gives us an opportunity to buy direct from the manufacturers 